<laughs> Welcome. This is my podcast, Success Aches. I finally did it, guys. I finally did it. Your host, Philip Anthony Payne, quote unquote music exec, a former tour manager, road manager, um, songwriter, um, former Division One athlete, now entrepreneur, because I just started. Uh, a label with my friends, which is really cool. And I'm a new dad, guys. Yes, brand new dad. Um, and whoa, he's eight months, which is crazy. Eight months. Dog. He was born in April. This year has just blew by, but also has been one of the longest years and definitely trying years for, I think, all of us, to tell you the truth. I've learned a lot, though. Learned so much. It's been definitely a year of growing pains for me. Um, Yeah, just been it's been intense up and downs. I would say I keep I keep saying that because that's exactly how I sum up my year. Um, Started my year off. Oh yeah, I got to tell you guys what this podcast is actually about. So I came up with the title Success X because I've been listening to a lot of podcasts for the last two years and um, a lot of them being motivational and very inspirational um, about people overcoming things and, you know, reaching these these pinnacles and these goals in their life. And they were all great, but I think something was missing in them was that I think in a whole, as far as like the podcast community in a whole, I think I didn't feel like there was enough content about the pressures and the um, hardships, trials and tribulations that come with obtaining success or whatever it is that you perceive um, as success because people have different definitions and, you know, a lot of our definitions can be molded by what we see in society, friends and family, uh, you know, people that we're around, people that we're influenced by. But what if we dug a little bit deeper and found out what really, what we really saw success, what really made us happy? Um, You know, I wanted to talk to people and also share my story about my success aches, the things that I go through on my journey while may look amazing to you and they are amazing to me as far as the things that I get to accomplish and the the goals that I, I, I get to reach all of them are amazing but as I'm going through them there are also things that I I have to you know pray about and I have to constantly constantly do the work to handle the things that God has, has blessed me with um, because sometimes when you do get to a level of success there comes complacency sometimes sometimes there comes you know a lot of pressure to do it again of course and to to do better than you did the last time and I wanted to talk to people I want to share this platform as well and I also want to share my story of 
of you know my success aches as far as uh, finding new identities. Um, I feel like every five years I'm trying to <laughs> reinvent myself, um, you know, and you know just the just the the the, the constant pursuit of success, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to talk about that. I wanted to to talk about how we, you know, and talk to people as well because I'm definitely not an expert on this. Uh, <clears throat> how do we balance family? How do we balance, you know, friends and and work? And how do how does it all come together? And how do we still be an amazing father and and still be an amazing, you know? parent but also be committed to our job and also try to have a social life and yeah all of those things so yeah I wanted to have a place um where I could talk and other people can come on as well and there'll be no judgment and 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 hopefully we can I think my goal was to get my goal for this podcast is to broaden understanding. That, that is it. If I can just get enough people to, instead of pass judgment, instead of jump to conclusions, instead of letting people around you or society or, you know, friends and family mold your or or influence your thinking I wanted to have a place and have conversations that would inspire people to ask questions and do research and ask why more ask why before they you know have judgment or just understand because Usually when you understand or when you ask questions, what comes after that is empathy. And then what comes after that is compassion. And then everyone, you know, gets on the same page. Yeah. So basically that's what, that's what I'm doing. I hope that was a good enough explanation to tell you, to tell you the truth. I don't, I don't really know if it was. Um, But let's start with me, you know, because my story is what inspired the title. Um, Being from Garland, Texas, growing up, wanting to be a professional football player ever since I was little, just watching the Cowboys and watching people, you know, watching Miami, watching the University of Texas, just watching all of these prestigious and and amazing programs do what they did, especially because I'm 33. So I was I was in the 90s. I was when I grew up in the 90s when you know Troy Aikman and and and, and Michael Irvin and all these guys were doing you know amazing things. Like I used to just be like, yo, I want to grow up and break Emmett Smith's record. Like that was my. I was like, yo, I. I I'm gonna break his record. And my favorite running back was Terrell Davis too. So 
Terrell played for Denver, but I just liked I liked the salute sign. Like that was one of my for anything. Anyway, <clears throat> back on topic. So yeah, boom mean growing up loving football, playing the game for a long time, being good at it. Um being very highly recruited, coming out of high school, being one of the number one wide receivers in the state and in the nation, and coming to the University of Texas. Yeah. And coming there, coming here, because I still live in Austin, fell in love with it. Coming to Austin, it was definitely a reality check for me, an ego check, that's that's for sure, because it was the first time that I was hit with I was going to have to put the work in in order to get on the field because everybody was just as good, if not better than me, when I got to Texas. Um, and I took two years to pout. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I think a lot of a lot of athletes who are highly recruited and they come in and they don't play early, they, they probably relate to that. You come in, boom, you end up getting hit with a red shirt or you end up um, just riding a pine and you, you, you're you talking shit, of course, and you, you know what I'm saying, you feel away, and you're probably going out too much, and you're probably doing shit that you probably shouldn't be doing. But you're young, you're 17, everybody in the country has told you you're the best thing since sliced bread, now you're here, and that is not, that is not the case. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you got to deal with that. And, you know, because you aren't, you haven't matured yet, I mean, you are, 17, 18 years old, you don't understand that, like, yo, you'll get further if you just put your head down and work. But it's just been so long, like, you've been so entitled by your talent and by people and how the way people treat you that you don't even realize, like, yo, like, that's not even, you already think you're good enough. You know what I'm saying? So come in here. You know, coming to Texas and, and seeing the guys there, and I had to play behind uh, Lyman Sweet and who played for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Jordan Shipley, one of the best receivers in Texas, Quan Cosby. Um, yo, even the young kids that came under me, Kirkendall, James Kirkendall, Brandon Collins, one of the best receivers I've ever seen, Doug. Um, even Malcolm Williams from Garland, Texas. Like, yo, it was, we had some dogs in that room. So if I was going to be able to play, I was going to have to put some work in. And I do also think sometimes, you know, as an athlete, when you're playing at these Division One schools, you probably compare yourself to a lot of people and you see, some people doing their thing, so you like, yo, I can do my thing too. And it's like, yo, some people can show up on Saturday after they went out on Friday, went out all week and be plastered and come and show up and kill it on Saturday. Some people can't do that. <laughs> and me, I didn't really understand that, like, yo, P, if you want to play, then you can't be out doing all types of fuckery and doing shit and doing all of this if you want to actually play. Let those niggas do it who can do it. You focus, lock in, you know, if you really want to do this. But 
that didn't actually sink in until probably my red shirt sophomore year. Boom, I started actually doing the work, putting work in, and actually getting better. I started seeing the results. Boom, I get hurt in the spring. In the springtime is when you usually prove yourself and usually coaches are looking to see who, who they're going to play. Boom, I get hurt in the spring. Coming around, I get hurt and get hurt again um, in camp. I think I broke my finger. Some sh- I did something that that kept me off the field. Now I'm into my retro junior year, and I kind of got to figure it out. Dog. I, it at the time, I was just like, you know, and that and that is an uh, like that's the pure example of a success. Like, boom, is this this kid? Division one athlete. On paper, it all looks great. People from back home looking at me like, yo, this man went to the University of Texas, one of the best schools in the nation. He was one of the best recruits out of the nation. Like all of these things were things that I felt like, you know, checklists, uh, you know, a check on my list of things that I looked at as success. Boom, I went to a great college. I was highly recruited. You know, I was all this, all that, boom. So the next step to me was the NFL, of course. And I didn't see any other way but the NFL. Like, that was it. That that was my sole, what I felt like then, that was my sole purpose of being here on this earth, was to play in, play in the league, take care of everybody, and, you know, Everything was going the same, the, the exact way that I had dreamt it until, you know, my junior year. And now I have to, I have to really, the realization of like, yo, that's probably not going to happen, sunk in. And that's a feeling that every single athlete has. Anybody who's played a sport, that's a feeling that everybody has, whether you're good, bad, whether you stop in middle school, high school, college, the pros, there comes a time when you have a conversation with yourself and you're like, is this really it? Because you've been playing the game for for no matter how long and eventually you have to have that real conversation. But because it's a game, and especially if you're good, it prolongs the conversation that you have to have with yourself. Is this really what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? And once you have that conversation with yourself and make the decision, boom, you either, okay, I'm going to stick with it and go all the way to, you know, the wheels fall off or, you know, circumstances take you out of it or you say, okay, I got to find something else to do. <laughs> and I think everybody, everybody goes through that point. I mean, nobody ever wants to have that conversation, and I think that's why you see how you saw Jordan go and come back so many damn times and how you saw Brett Favre took so damn long to retire, and, and even with Tom Brady being 43 damn years old out there throwing the ball, it's like, who are you after that is the thing. Nobody wants to give it the game up because it's just like, Especially when you've been playing it for that long, it's like, what? Well, who am I? What am I without without this game? It's not about the money. It's not about 
you know, the, the clout is, 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 is my identity. So now y'all gotta, y'all gotta understand and like, I'm sitting here like, yo, who, who am I? Like, what, what am I without this? And luckily, I got prayed. I got on my knees and I prayed about it. I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, and it came to me quick. It came to me fast. I'm not going to front. It came to me very, very fast. And it was like, P, you want to be an a and I was like, because what I did know, without a shadow of a doubt, although I didn't know what I wanted to do for maybe four, four or five seconds, what I did know is I had to love it. I can't do anything that I'm not passionate about. Especially, I mean, even in music, I can't even work with anybody that I'm not passionate about. I've tried to work with people whose music I'm not passionate about. I don't, I don't do well at it. Um, I don't do well at it. But I do do well at doing things that I'm passionate about. And some, And if I don't love the music, maybe I just, if I don't love the music and I'm still working with an artist, there's something else there. It fits in my purpose. That, that's what I will tell you for sure because I am, what I am passionate about no matter what is helping people and and motivating people and pushing people. That is what I'm passionate about. So um, I just happen to work in the music industry. But if I could do that in any in any profession and and be able to and be happy, then that, that's what I do. That's what I would do. But I just I just I love music, uh, and I'm fortunate enough to be able to monetize my energy and be around people and push push these artists and and you know of course they could do it without me. Any art, no artist needs me. No artist needs needs need needs me to be there but what i've what i've been able to do what god has blessed me to do is when i am there is to present value and to be able to get the best out of out of them and i i'm so thankful god has has blessed me with that but yeah um i knew i loved music so it's very interesting i i just I locked in. I locked in. I was like, okay, I want to work in the music industry. What's what's next? How do I do it? Okay, I'm in Austin, Texas. What's what like how? Who? This is supposed to be the live capital music of this live music capital of the world. Okay, bet. There is ACL. Okay, there's South by Southwest. Okay, there's C three. C three puts on East. Okay, boom. Uh I'll send my resume there. Of course I had no resume. All I had was Coach Brown, my my head coach, like uh, football, like I never had a job, like yeah, I, I was just <laughs> going in, and but I mean that was another reason of why I knew I loved music. I was willing to to come out to to get it out the mud. I was willing to look crazy, look look stupid. I was willing to, I was willing to to do whatever it took. Nothing was going to stop me. Um, and I also, I felt like I owed it to, to myself because I really think I let myself down with football because I didn't put the work in. 
and it's something that I'm insecure about to this day. If you ever challenge my worth ethic or if you ever, you know, say that I'm not doing enough, it hits a nerve. Yeah, it hits a nerve because I know I didn't do enough with football. And, of course, there's no regrets because I love where I am now and I'm glad that I went through what I went through to get here and to have the understanding. And, you know, I needed it. But that's something that drives me. That is definitely something that drives me and and and, and strikes a nerve with me because, you know, I couldn't let the, the music thing pan out like, like the football thing. I couldn't do it. Um... So yeah, I, I I knew what I wanted. So I'm I'm trying to figure out how how do I get in to the industry. This is about 2010 at the time, and my one of my homies, Montre, who also played receiver, he knew Claire Bogle. Um, and Claire was working in this company, Scoremore. I'm trying to put this whole thing together. Okay, so, but I didn't meet Claire until what really, really got this shit going is Blueprint 3. Jay-Z's Blueprint 3, I heard A Star Is Born, I heard J. Cole's verse on the last, I heard heard the last verse and it was J. Cole, this kid named J. Cole, I was like, yo, this shit is amazing. I did my research, I saw Lights Please on an acoustic version. I started sending her around like, yo, this nigga's cold. Boom, boom, boom. Jay-Z, I think, ended up coming there that January. He brought J. Cole out. I ended up getting tickets to that show. Shout out to Bita and Nasly. Boom. Then I also ended up getting a birthday present from Nas. That was a J. Cole show because I did my research now. I was like, boom, I went and heard the warm-up, heard the come-up. I went to the J. Cole show, met him for probably about two seconds. Met Claire now that I'm thinking about it, and I think I met Sasha that time, but very, very short intro. The next day, I'm getting a, I'm getting, I'm walking home to Mellow Mushroom. Um, I don't know from Mellow, I'm, I'm walking past Mellow Mushroom, crazy pizza place on, on Guadalupe in Austin. Amazing place, which is still there. Anyway. I'm walking past it. Sasha comes out of the Mellow Mushroom, smokes cigarette. That was back when he used to smoke cigarettes. <laughs> smokes a cigarette. He's like, yo, I saw you at the show. I actually got Cole in here right now. You want to come, you know, holler at him and, you know, have lunch? <laughs> now, guys, at this moment in my mind, I'm thinking, P, you know what it's like when people come in and ask for, ask for autographs. You know what it's like to for people to admire what you do. When you go in here and you meet this man, don't be showing out. Don't fan out. Be respectful. Kick it. Be cool. Be chill. You good. Y'all, I must have walked in here and saw this man. Uh, first thing I said is like, nigga, your music remind me of Tupac, brother. Nigga, your shit so good. I started breaking down his music. I started 
fanning the fuck out, uh, completely fanning out, like fanning out, completely just lost my cool, dog. And it was funny as fuck. And, you know, but that's just how I always been. No matter what, no matter what I've been able to achieve in this business, if I meet you, dog, I'm going to tell you your shit is your shit is fired. Dog. First time I met Kendrick, I heard the hard part three. I just heard Good Kid, Mad City. I met Kendrick. I said, dog, I thought you were one of the greatest. But I heard the hard part three, nigga. You might be the greatest nigga of all time. And they they be appreciating it. And we be laughing. They, should, they be appreciated because I be dead ass sincere, dog. I be dead ass sincere. I really do be sincere. Like, like, if your shit is fire, dog, I'm going to tell you straight up. That's just how I am. So, boom, from there, dog, me and Sasha formed a relationship. Um, and we were cool from there. Boom, me and Claire formed a relationship. I sat down with Claire. I remember I sent Claire an email or a Facebook message and just told her how passionate I was about music and how I wanted to get in. I ended up sitting down with her. She interviewed me, her and Annalise, and I think EDOT was there. Shout out to them. Um, and, you know, I, I came in enthusiastic and, and ready to go and ready to work, and they put me on the street team. I started handing out flyers and doing my thing and telling people I was with Scoreboard and telling people like, yo, I'm doing this shit for real and, 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 and you know, selling tickets and doing everything I could. I mean, because the, the, the main thing at that moment was to work hard enough to where I would have, I would make sure that they knew that I was for real and they could put me in more positions to win. Initially, Scoreboard was literally a platform to me to catapult me to where I wanted to go as far as being an NR, working for a record label, possibly having my own label. It, you know, if that happened, but but at that time being 22, 20, 22, 23 at the time, I was just like, yo, boom, I'm here. Boom, boom, boom. Like I was just following the steps. Um I I worked really hard and and at the end of the year, they were like, yo, we want you to be the branding manager. And then from there, they were like, yo, we want you to be the street team manager. And then from there, I was I was dealing with the local artists and, and putting local artists on the shows that we were booking. Um, from there, and, and what was really cool about Scoremore, which is what kept me, I think really kept me from going to L.A., is that we were kind of already a label. We were kind of already a group of a rs Y'all got to remember, this is 2010. We just happened to catch the new wave, like the 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 leaders of the new school. Y'all got to think about it. The first people score more shows were booking was Cole, Kendrick, Wiz. I'm talking about 200 people rooms, 400 people rooms. Sean, Crit, like Wale, like that. That's the type. Like we, Mac, like like that's the type of wave we was on. Like chant like everybody i don't know if it's still like that like i mean it feels it's like like it's that like it's still like that but at that point in time you had to come to texas but you you had to go through score more because at that time the ags live nations the big promoters they didn't really know that there was really money in that in that place you know and that internet place where the kids lived and where you know where we found music, because none of these niggas was on the radio. Y'all got to understand that. Nobody was on the radio. 
So they didn't even, they they probably wouldn't even think anybody in Texas was rocking with that shit like that. But we were able to have influence, and then we built a reputation that yo, when it's a score more show, we know it's somebody dope, and they might not might not be that hot right now, but they will be. So doing that, that kind of kept me awesome because that's what kind of what I, that's what I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about bringing new music and putting people on new music. So boom. I'm rocking with Score More Boom. This is 2011 or 12. Sasha has to go to New York to take a position with Mark Echo. He lives in, I think he lived there for like maybe a year. He met, um, he had known Johnny Shipes from doing the Smoker Club shows in Texas. Johnny was doing, I think, Pro Era at the time. And also I think he was doing, um, I think he was with Crit at the time as well. Boom, Johnny was like, yo, he was also, I think, working with Sean Kingston. Johnny was like, yo, you should get into artist management to Sash, this kid named Tory Lanez. You should fucking, you should work with him. This nigga's super talented. I, I don't really have, him, have that time, but super talented, you should fuck with him. Boom, Sash and Tory met, clicked. Sash brought Tory to Texas. Boom, he put him on a couple Texas shows. Him and um, the, the first Houston show didn't go that well. I mean, <laughs> I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna lie to y'all. The, them, them niggas booed the fuck out of his ass. But Sasha gave him some pointers. Boom. Next couple shows, boom, he did well. From then on, they built a relationship. Boom. Sasha was like, "Yo, I know you want to be an A&R. I know you want to work in the, in the industry. Why won't you do this with me? You know what I'm saying? Be his tour manager. Be his role manager. Get experience." Like let's 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 do this. So I said, shit, I don't know how the fuck to do none of that shit. But I met Tory, and when I met him, I could tell that he had the same chip on his shoulder as I had on mine. You know, because with Tory going through his situation, you know, at that time he was coming off of being stuck in Canada for a while, couldn't get back um, because of some shit with his visa. Um, so he had lost a lot of relationships. He had some, some buzz that kind of faded the people that he was hitting up. They weren't hitting him up. no more. So like we were both in a place, you know, me being an ex athlete, going to the university of Texas, being a bus quote unquote. Yeah, I guess I was, a bus. <laughs> I guess I was a bus being a bus, right? Not panning out, not being the person that I guess the, the player that I was supposed to be now, boom. I'm working in the music industry, quote unquote, telling people that I'm, you know, doing this. And I hear the rumblings back home. I hear people around me, dog. I, or maybe I made this shit up. I don't know. But I felt like I heard people being like, yeah, look at Payne. Psh, nigga thought he was going to the league. Look at him, bum ass nigga. Uh huh. Look at him passing out flyers and shit. Just nigga. That's how I felt they was, they was, they was doing me. They probably wasn't doing me like that, but shit. If they were, then niggas know that I that pushed me to get to where I'm at right now. Anyway, man, me and Tori just really, really connected, really, really, really connected, and from there, I was too, what sincerely Tori, I think, or from sincerely Tori to conflicts on my soul to chicks taped two, three, four, five, and beyond. You know what I'm saying? Uh, a lot of projects. We've done a lot of projects together and, and worked and I've toured with him. 
we've done a million shows together and and you know that is my guy we may be in a rough patch right now might not be um you know we might not have a working relationship right now but that is my guy and I'm always going to be here for him. I'm always going to ride for him. And, you know, you can't tell my story without without talking about Tori. You can't – I will hope that you can't tell his story without talking about me. Um, we got to accomplish a lot of great things together, uh, me, him, and Sasha, and, and Troy, and, and Claire, and, I mean, the whole Scoremore family. Like, it was just – we did some really, really special things, really, really, really special things, and – um, I'll always keep all of that stuff dear to my heart. I'll keep, always keep him dear to my heart, no matter what, no matter where the future, what what, what the future holds for us. Um, on the working side, uh, I'll never, ever, ever um, not be in debt to, to him, man, for sure. Um, but yeah, so boom, start working with Tori. We, 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 um, and two years later we boomed Simon Interscope boom go from there then we get nominated for a fucking Grammy for love and then it's just it's just constantly constantly great things happen uh, and then guys Chicks Tape 5 which was the first album that I ever got to write on I got to co-write on and I got to um really be hands on really like on the like management and 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 boring stuff process like I was really into that project and ended up being one of the most successful projects we put out uh number one R&B album I got to co-write four songs on it and that is something that I'm super proud of just because it just shows you what you can do when you don't put uh, yourself in a box and you don't put and you, you, you don't let people put limitations on you. As a creative, we get a reputation of not being able to be organized and not being able to do the business side and the creative side. And I just wanted to show people that you can do both. It's all about what you what you um what's important to you and you can make the time you can it's it's it there are going to be sacrifices that have to be made but you can do it you can do anything that you you actually put your mind to um and yeah and just being an ex-athlete and you know seeing seeing so many athletes who are scared to take that next step into whatever it is they want to do. It was, it, it, or whatever it is they don't, they don't think they know what they want to do. It was fun to have something to show people like, yo, and when you come in my house, you'll see I have my degree on the wall and I have the plaques like next to, to, to my degree. And I have, you know, my helmet in my bedroom. And it's just like, guys, you can do it. And then like me and my, 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 my beautiful partner are, are 
this girl i love her she's actually the person who's inspired me to even do this and to be a content creator and although i'm nervous and feel you know uncomfortable at times she's pushed me and pushed me and pushed me and and, and unlocked things of myself that i, I never thought that I, that I would be able to to unlock uh and and yeah you just i just want to preach a preach 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 to people about don't put limitations on yourself go do whatever it is that you need to do there will be hardships there will be things that you will face and it'll be hard but when you accomplish it you you show people it can be done and i think that's what we're all here for in real life and that's just to do things and and live in our purpose to inspire others to live in theirs um so yeah i mean this is that this this is the end of this episode this was just like my story up till chicks tape five i think the next episode will be about 2020 i'll say um my amazing 2020 and just uh you know i'll have guests on every now and then hopefully my friends will come on hopefully and yeah and we'll just talk and, and we'll i want this place to be a place where we can talk openly hopefully be vulnerable and hopefully help people realize that we're all just trying the best that we can (laughs) every single day. So yeah, thank you guys for listening till the next episode.